is What Shall We Do About with Sam Robinson. Hello and welcome to What Shall We Do About, the show that tries to fix the world's less pressing problems. We're heading back to the garden this week on the show with podcaster and return guest Zach Mander. We spoke with Zach all the way back in episode two about his newfound love of gardening, something that he gained from watching hours of the TV show Gardening Australia. But now we're turning to his vegetarianism, something that he and his wife switched to a few years back. You know, vegetarians have often got a bad rap, but the culture seems to be shifting as more and more of us try to reduce meat in our diets and products like Beyond Meat are offered in fast food places. So what shall we do about vegetarianism? Is it worth considering? And how hard is it to switch from being an omnivore to a herbivore? Zach Mander, how good to have you back on the podcast. Thank you very much, Sam. Um, I have noticed that you guys recently made it into uh, New and Noteworthy on iTunes. Yes, what a thrill that was. And I I feel like that... I mean, it was like three months after my appearance, but it might have been like a slow burn effect, do you think? Can I tell you something that you would excite you a lot? Is that your episode, the second episode, we're up to number 40-something now, is the most downloaded episode of the podcast. No! Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. People are mad. It must have found a niche. It must have found a niche. You know, sometimes... Something gets shared in a really niche group. Maybe there was a weird, you know, gardening group over in uh, the UK or something like that where it got some good listens. We talked a lot about Monty Don, who is now on the ABC here in Australia. Did you see this? What? Yeah. No? I'm excited by this, though. Gardening Australia is going on hiatus. Monty Don is now on in that spot. (gasps) I'll have to look (laughs) this up on the app. How long is Gardening Australia going on hiatus? I know last time I was on the podcast, we spoke about Gardening Australia for way too long. And that was a vow I had. I did say to you, I'm happy to come back on the podcast, but I think we need to reduce the Gardening Australia chat. You said we need to go the opposite direction. It needs to be 100% Gardening Australia. Yeah. And that's a disagreement that we have. But this is my only, and this I will give myself 20 seconds to talk about Gardening Australia. How long is it going on hiatus? Because I did notice it wasn't on the app this week. I think it's a month. <sighs> What am I meant to do? Watch Monty Don. I will. Is that is that um is that Gardener's World? I do follow him on Instagram. I don't know. Look it up yourself, mate. I don't know. His dog passed away recently, and I feel really bad about that. Rest in peace, Nigel. That is sad. It is. So we talked to you about gardening last time, and I've got you on again because you're a great friend and you're a great guest. But also, um, I want to talk to you about your vegetarianism. I was. I will say too. We did do an episode with Alice Zaslavsky about vegetables. She's got a book coming out in November. So episode twenty, go back and listen to that. So we're not going to talk about vegetables in particular, but more your love of being a vegetarian because you know you've been outspoken about it in the past. How long have you been a vegetarian for? I've been a vegetarian for between three and four years, approximately. I think three and a half years. Okay. I can't really keep track. Yeah, I think three and a half years. Can I ask why you changed? Uh, well, we, my wife and I both became vegetarians and we wanted to eat more vegetables. And then um, that quickly escalated to eating only vegetables over a period of a couple of weeks. I don't really understand why. I think for a long time, my wife had a problem particularly. She, it never sat right with her for a long time. She's, you know, an animal lover and has been her whole life. And uh, she couldn't pair the two together in, a, in her mind or in her conscience. 
And so I think that she was working towards it for um, a long time. She says now she feels a lot better um, about how her values align with her behavior. For me, I was just trying to eat more vegetables. And those types of ideas have developed in me. But at the start, it was really just wanting to eat more vegetables. Okay. And then, you know, and then I started to, we watched a few documentaries about how meat intake impacts the environment. And, and there was a few other factors like that. And we just said, do you want to give it a go? And we haven't looked back. Because I'd imagine, I mean, it's one thing to say, I want to eat more vegetables. Mm. But you can still eat meat at the same time. That's right. It's a big. It's a bigger step to say I'm going to cut out the meat. Well, I guess maybe in the back of our minds we knew. Maybe it was a part of the discussion. I don't know. Maybe we. I, I think maybe we were entertaining the idea. Like maybe one day down the line we'll become vegetarians. Let's try to eat more vegetables. It was like the only New Year's resolution I've ever made. It was like a New Year's resolution. We said we should eat more vegetables. It was like basically by halfway through January, we were vegetarians. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think after a couple of days, we're like, why don't we just have a crack at doing vegetarianism? So I'm guessing this is before you found Gardening Australia and thus a love for gardening, right? That's right. But, you know, they're probably linked somehow. Yeah. Yeah, it's obviously made it easier because you've got your garden. Is your garden growing well, by the way? No, not at the moment. It's actually gone really poorly. We haven't had any rain in Brisbane in a long time, and I don't have a water tank. And so, you know, I try to keep a few plants alive, but uh, my dogs rip up the yard. It's actually just like a dust bowl at the moment. It's really bad. I'm trying to restructure it and move towards a, a better yard in the future, but... We're pretty low on the vegetables at the moment. I do, and I do have a... Uh, I'm a part of a community garden. And that's kind of in a similar situation. So, at the moment, I'm not, I'm not harvesting much of my own produce. Yeah, okay. Am I right that you had a responsibility in your community gardening group that you were the social media guy? I still do. I lead a team of two. <laughs> to be honest, it's a bit offensive to say lead. Because the other person doesn't know I'm the head of the team. That's just self-appointed head. <laughs> but there's two of us with admin rights to the page that has about 300 likes. So it's not as if it's uh, it's not a monster page that we're looking after. Do you think vegetarians get a bad rap? Uh, I think vegetarians avoid most of the bad rap. I think vegans get a bad rap and they're doing a great job uh, shielding us from... I think we're seen as the uh, less extreme... And, you know, because we're not doing, we don't really often do, uh, when I say we, by the way, I would like to make it clear. I have checked with all vegetarians and I do speak on behalf of everyone. And so I am, I am okay to say we, I feel like we, well, we're not doing rallies. We're not walking in on people's restaurants, knocking food out of their hands. And so the vegans are doing that for us. So they get all the heat and we're just over here. I don't think we're seeing... That poor. I've never had a poor reaction in person, at least. Why do you think it is that vegans get cop the heat? And why didn't actually? Why didn't you take the step to become a vegan? Why did you draw the line at vegetarianism? Well, I have always. I had thought that maybe it would be somewhere in the future I'll go to veganism. But oh, I consulted my doctor. They kind of thought that I should be having dairy and eggs, and so obviously I hold their opinion in high esteem because I think they know what they're talking about. Yep. <laughs> and I also have, I, the, if we get into like an ethical discussion, I won't kill an animal. That's why I'm not a vegetarian. Or at least I don't have to kill an animal. 
and I don't want to be put in the situation where I have to make the decision, you know, stuck on an island or something. But at the moment, I don't have to kill an animal, so I choose not to. I would use the eggs of an animal. I would milk a cow. And so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I do understand that, and I do believe that there's problems with the way that some, uh, some of the ways that humans get milk and eggs. But at the moment, I'm happy to eat those. And so that's, that's, that's why. I think the reason why vegans get a bad rap is the methods that they go about spreading the message, basically. I, what I'll say about vegans is I do disagree with a lot of the methods, but where I cut vegans some slack is it's a significant choice to become a vegan. That's something that impacts your everyday, and it's something that you deal with multiple times a day. And also, you probably have pretty passionate beliefs about how to treat animals and how animals are being treated. And so I can definitely understand a passionate response to that. And so if you see people eating meat or wearing fur, I can understand how you have a passionate response. My kind of issue with the protesting is I think that that messaging only attracts a certain type of person. And so I I remember a few years ago, there was like, uh, they protested, there was a group who like broke into a restaurant and they had, you know, loudspeakers and they were you know, knocking, I don't know what they're doing, but they were standing in between people and their stakes and stuff like that. And I remember hearing um, an or- the organization on the radio talk about it. And someone said, obviously, this isn't a very good tactic. And they said, well, our numbers are actually gone up. And so they're just looking at their numbers going up. But my argument would be, yeah, but your numbers are going up with people who thought that was a good idea. Mm. And I would imagine that those people were probably on the fringe they're not, they don't represent the general person in society. But then what you get is like, now your group has even more people that think that that's a good idea. And so, it, you know, you become like a, a silo of like very extreme views. And then maybe your protests get even more extreme. I think people generally are open to the idea of eating less meat. Um, Australia has like one of the highest numbers of vegetarianism statistically in the world. And so I think people like the idea. I just think the messaging could be a little better. And I don't know how to do that, but I just think the aggressive approach, I'm not sure if that's the best. I uh, have done some research on those stats. Research conducted by Roy Morgan, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes, back in 2018, found that the trend in vegetarian eating is growing with 2.5 million people, that's 12% of the Australian population at the time, now eating all or almost all vegetarian when I think of vegetarian, I think of almost like a hipster movement, but I guess there's also climate change has brought vegetarianism into, into discussion too. Why do you think there's this trend? Yeah, I think climate change has been a big thing. I think there's three, in my, for my personal uh, approach, there's like three factors and that's, uh, you know, animal welfare is one. So whether or not you're comfortable eating an animal or an animal dying for you to eat. Uh, number two is like environmental impacts and number three is like a like health um, and so I think I know a lot of people who are do it for climate reasons and therefore um, yeah people want to feel like they're doing something to affect change and it's it's a very personal thing and something that you can do every day that you know does minimize your impact on the environment I think, too, there's a sense that, like, when I go shopping, I realise the expense of meat. Meat is not cheap to buy. And yeah. and so... And it's a lot cheaper than it should be also, I think. And, like, I even think of my kids. 
they would prefer a baked vegetable than a piece of meat most of the time. And I know it's, I feel like it's good for them to eat meat and enjoy it. But there is a sense that, yeah, kids go for things like sausages rather than a steak. So the this was a part of like our my personal rationale is like the mindlessness around eating meat. And so I don't necessarily, you know, if I was on an island and I was stuck, I would be eating meat. Like there's I would be catching fish. That's the I'd be doing it day one. I'd be cutting my shirt off, making it into a net and trying to get some fish fillets out of the ocean. But I don't need to do that at the moment. And the other thing, the mindlessness is like you just go and like you're consuming, sorry, we'll just speak for myself. I was consuming a lot of meat and not thinking about where it came from. And it was way too much. And I think once I started to think about it, I became more and more uncomfortable with it. And that's probably what led me to cutting it out completely. But it is weird when you think about it. You We, we feed kids meat, obviously, but then... Like the education comes later about where it comes from, not first. Mm. And so um, I was just thinking about like the first humans. I don't know. Did we eat meat straight away? Uh, to me, it makes more sense that we probably got fruit off trees first. Yeah. And then figured out how to meet, eat meat later. I have absolutely no backing on that whatsoever. That is just a complete guess. But... That's how I would approach if I was walking through a jungle. I think it would make more sense to pull something off a tree than to try to eat something that was running away from me mm. um, or attacking me. And so it is funny that it's like, you know, it, so what I'm saying is it's like, I would, it's a default. It, it, we're questioning moving away from meat. We're not questioning moving towards meat. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like the default is meat. And the conversation is, why did you give up meat? The conversation isn't, why do you eat meat? And I think that's a funny default. One thing that I've been uh, fascinated by is the trend of beyond meat. So I know that plant-based food has become a big deal and things like um, Hungry Jack's, they've got their Rebel Whopper Mm. and it's Impossible Whopper overseas. And then KFC overseas has brought out like vegetarian-friendly chicken and vegan-friendly chicken as well. There's a quote here from uh, Forbes, and this is talking about Americans. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Health and curiosity are the primary drivers of plant-based meat purchases, though vegans and vegetarians are more likely to be motivated by environmental and ethical concerns. Further, nearly half of meat alternative buyers, that's 48%, have no meat avoidant members in their household, and only 30% have a vegetarian or a vegan in the household. What's your experience with these foods? Because when they first were pitched, I thought, why would a vegetarian want to eat something that looks and tastes like meat but isn't meat. Mm. Well, I guess it comes down to the reason why you're a vegetarian. So before I said, like, people who are doing it for climate, they like meat. You know, they got no problems with it. They're just abstaining from it for environmental reasons. So they might love the taste of meat and they want to replicate that. If you're doing it for animal welfare reasons, so you've got a problem killing animals, yeah, you probably don't want to eat something that tastes like meat. You want to avoid it. I think there's a couple of things. The, the reason I think why these guys are so popular is because our Western diet is so based around meat. These companies don't know how to restructure their business plans. Like, what are you going to do for a vegetarian on a burger without the meat? They all think that the meat is the central part of that. So we need to replace that with something, which personally, I don't actually think you do need to. But 
as for my experience with them, I've never had the chicken. I've always been a little bit cautious of it because it's like soy protein a lot of the time. They're not, when people say they're doing it for health, like it, it like deep fried chicken versus deep fried tofu, like it's still deep fried. <laughs> like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's not, it's, I don't think it's much better for you. Um, I The Rebel Whopper, I like. The best one is Beyond Burger, in my opinion, which is that grilled. You can also just buy Beyond Burger patties in in like coals and stuff like that. They're like more expensive than meat though, or at least as expensive as meat. The interesting thing when Grill brought it in, and what I thought was interesting was it was marketed at meat eaters. Mm. It was it was marketed as have a day off from meat. It wasn't marketed at vegetarians. It wasn't marketed at vegans. I thought that was like that that was the first time I had ever seen a big company uh, market a meat free patty at the general public. And so I thought that maybe I'm trusting that they've done a lot of market research. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's like indicative of like uh, changing opinions in society. What's interesting is, uh, so my wife and I both tried the Rebel Whopper. Yeah, did you like it? Yeah, yeah. Our mindset was kind of like, okay, it's good to reduce your intake of meat. Let's give this a go. The catch, I guess, was, though, that my wife has type 1 diabetes and a Rebel Whopper, as she found out later on, has a higher carbohydrate count because of the beans and what's in the in the patty. So for her, she was kind of worse off for eating it, if that makes sense. So I guess you can't, in some ways, you can't win. Well, I'll tell you what I do. This is what, I don't have McDonald's as much, but this is what I do at McDonald's is I just get a like a usually a cheeseburger without the meat and then I just put chips on it. That's my go-to. What I realized the other day, I was in the drive-thru and I was like, I was thinking about the kiosks. You know how like they all have kiosks now? Yeah. And I was like, you can make whatever adjustment you want on the kiosk. And I'm like, well, you can probably do that in real life. We just never, you know, face-to-face. We just never, I had never thought of it before. And so now I'll get the cheeseburger without meat and I get them to add tomato and that like adds some type of substance to it and then I still put chips on it. But here's my theory. This is, we all base it around meat. Meat doesn't really taste like anything. It's the sauces that are the taste. And so like at McDonald's, you still feel like you ate McDonald's. Like because it's the ketchup and it's the onions and it's the pickles. The meat is like quite a small part of that. Mm. Um, And like generally... I think it's more to do with the sauces we put on things that give you the taste and the feeling of stuff. And I think we've misattributed that to meat. So I think you can take meat out quite easily and not remove flavor and in some cases increase flavor. I agree. I, um, I'm a big fan of Guzman and Gomez. And you yeah. can get, or we choose to get the sautéed vegetable option because you get free guacamole. And I'm like, I'd rather have this than I would have meat because you can't really again you can't taste the meat as much as something like guacamole that's true and same with um zombrero as well like i'd go for rice and beans and guac yeah i like the zombrero one it's good that's my favorite vegetarian burrito yeah it has been fun trying to find kind of hacks for fast food (laughs) have you have you found others um well i've tried a lot i tried to put hash browns on burgers and stuff like that i mean it's not doing anything for the health that's for sure (laughs) I mean, fast food's fast food, so it's, you're not going to make it... It's not making it much healthier to remove the meat. Well, some would argue no healthier at all. Yeah, yeah. Is, is there any... Um, like, when I think of the Beyond Meat, I think, okay, so this is trying to reduce my meat intake. But I also look at it and I think, 
this is grown in a lab, right? This, mm. There's something not yeah, quite right true. about that feeling of like, this has been made in some sort of laboratory. It's very artificial, obviously. Um, yes. And you yes. don't really know what it is. I do struggle with that. When you were talking before about, you know, the beans and stuff, I was like, oh, does it have beans in it? The impossible one. I have no idea what they are. And that's, and I'm like, I don't, well, I don't know. I assume it would. Yeah. I, I think the Beyond is like a pea protein, I think. I don't know what the impossible one is. It, it's strange. It's funny because like a lot of vegetarians and vegans, it comes from like an organic or at least it's 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 pitched as like an organic approach, like knowing where your food comes from. But then, yeah, a lot of people are happy to eat these things that are like even more strange. Yeah. Like, you know, they, the, the trace back to what it actually is, is even further. Uh, so I do understand that. I think these people, though, I heard that Beyond is like, like as a company, is like rapidly increasing their revenue. So, you know, there's maybe a bit of capitalism here of seeing an opportunity and cashing in on it. Mm. You think about our generation, like we're young 30s kind of age group. Like we're very aware about the climate. We're very aware about um, even meat intake. And, and I think even if you're not a vegetarian, it's an easy group to market this kind of stuff to yes well yeah it is interesting and that's what i liked about that's what i found interesting about grilled's approach of marketing it at meat eaters and i actually think that's a a good approach generally because i have thought it's like funny how and i don't know this is probably a broader discussion about society but like even in myself like a hundred percent identify this is like so there's like kind of hidden things to vegetarianism you don't realize straight away and that's like gelatin is like a animal product Mm. um and that's in all lollies and a lot of desserts and stuff like that um that you'd have to give up a lot of like not a lot but like there's a fair few chips and 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 uh noodles and things that use like beef flavoring and stuff like that and it's funny how like i'll go oh well i can't have that like the the traces i'll trace it down to like the smallest amount of an animal product I can't have. I'm like very completist about it. Um, but I feel like that there's like a problem with like a completist attitude. And I feel like that um, like society is really like, if you say you're a vegetarian, like everyone's waiting to catch the time when you eat meat. But I've always thought like, well, if I was to eat a cheeseburger tonight, I would feel like a failure. But haven't I done more to achieve my goals in the last three years? And I'm way closer to what I would have been if I hadn't done that or like someone might, you know, you might give up meat on the weekends or something. I'm just going to, I had some friends who didn't eat meat on the weekend and maybe some vegans or vegetarians would be like, well, that's not real vegetarianism. But I'm like, but aren't they like uh, two sevenths closer Mm. to becoming, you know, to where you think they need to be? And so I think there's like a, it's either you're all in or you're not in at all. And I think if we eliminated that a little bit, that's why I liked the idea of like meat free Mondays and stuff like that, that, uh, has been a bit of a movement because I'm like, yeah, well, we can all make little adjustments and maybe we're getting closer to, uh, you know, a place where these people think the world should be. Say you go and order a Rebel Whopper. Are you ever nervous that it's not a Rebel Whopper, that it could be actually a real Whopper? This happened to me last week. It's happened to me a number of times. The first time I had the Beyond Burger at Grilled, I swore they gave us the, the meat. Mm. I was like, this... Like, how are you meant to know? So last week I had the Beyond Burger from Grilled and I you know, picked it up at the shop and I came home. 
And I like threw it down as soon as I took one bite. And I said to my wife, I'm like, that's meat. That's 100% meat. They're screwing me over here. And I was really upset because I was really hungry. And it tasted really good. That was the other thing. And I was like, I felt a bit guilty. I'm like, oh my goodness, is that what meat tastes like? I'm like, oh. And, um, and I was like, I'm going to chuck it out. This is the, I've told my friend this and they said, um, well, you know, if you're really, you know, if you believe about waste and stuff like that, shouldn't you have eaten it? Because it's already there. I'm like, well, I just don't feel comfortable eating meat though. So that was more of a personal thing. But I was about to chuck it out. I was like, I can't eat this. And my wife was like, why don't you call them and ask them if they remember, they might remember making the order. So I called them and I said, hey guys, is it possible that you've mixed these up? And the person on the phone said, I'm pretty confident it's not. We like have good systems and whatever. I'll double check with the cooks. She came back and she's like, yep, they're positive that they put a Beyond patty on. But they said, text me a photo of it and I'll be able to confirm. And I was like, what? Oh, wow. I'm like, you are able to tell from a picture? And I wasn't even able to tell from tasting it. So I texted them a picture and they said, 100% that's Beyond, you know, happy eating or whatever. And um, so that was enough to resolve my conscience. But yeah, I, like still to this day, that could have been mean. Who knows? That might be yeah. the ploy they have. Maybe there's no such thing as Beyond Burgers. Is anyone checking? <laughs> Maybe this company just has really good marketing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fake. Oh, can you imagine? That would be the biggest Because expose. how would you ever know? How would you ever... I guess you could take it to a lab or something like that. But imagine a company who said that they're fake meat and they were really just getting meat patties and adding like a different... They add a different herb to make it taste slightly different. And it's like, and they become renowned because it, you know, tastes so good. Yeah. And then it comes out later. It was like a massive troll. They like, you know, trolled the, all the whole vegan and vegetarian community. Yeah. I was just down at uh, Beyond HQ and I did see a cow wandering through a, a, a dark <laughs> chute at the back. Well, I think they would, cows would be in their management structure, wouldn't they? They're so positive oh, in yeah, the environment. True. Surely they're employing some. As quality control or something like that, just making sure. Yeah, so uh, that is a bit of a question, isn't it? It's like how it, the better it becomes, the harder it will be to tell the difference. Mm. But uh, I can't tell the difference now, but as people will point out, and it's a very valid point, I haven't had meat in four years. So who am I to know? My friend's a vegetarian and her husband isn't. And she they had this discussion recently over... I forget what it was, some type of fake meat. And she was like, oh my goodness, it tastes so much like meat. And he had it and he's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, yeah, you do forget what it tastes like. Have you ever found that <laughs> friends, maybe you, it's a hard a question to answer, but because you and your wife are both vegetarians, have you ever found that friends don't know how to invite you over or what to cook for you? Oh, I've suspected that, yeah. <laughs> There's, I know my parents are like... We, I've only ever made them one vegetarian dish. Like they definitely come from an era where meat has to be a part of the meal. Yeah. And they said they liked it. I don't know if they did. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely like, you know, we have neighbors and they keep saying they're going to invite us over. They don't know we're vegetarian. And I always feel like, I'm like, when do I say, do I do, uh, my plan usually is like, we'll bring something. Because I don't want to put that on people who are not used to like, not used to cooking vegetarian meals. So I feel like we might say we'll bring something or that's usually the way it goes. Most of our friendship circles, uh, most of them have other vegetarians just by coincidence. Well, I guess it's maybe mm. it's not coincidence. Maybe those were discussions we were all having together. And so 
Um, it hasn't been too much of an issue, but I guess I'd never know if they weren't inviting us over because I'd never find out. <laughs> I, I hope that's, that's not right. the case. I do feel like people, it is something that you feel like it's just hard because it's like when someone says they're doing something for an ethical reason, it's hard not to feel like that you're getting judged when you're when you're <laughs> sitting in front of the meeting meet. So I try my best to be like, you make whatever. It doesn't personally offend me. I'm not upset by it. Um, it's just a decision I've made. But I can 100% understand. I would feel like I was getting judged if someone said, well, you know, I feel like for this reason, this reason, this reason, I'm going to make a big decision. You know, like if I said for all these reasons... I've looked into it, and this is why this car manufacturer we shouldn't buy these cars. If I'm mm. like, they use a they use a poor labor source when they're not paying on the right amount of money. The emissions are horrible for the environment. Um, the way that they source all their materials is from really destructive ways. And then if you were in front of me buying that car, I can't understand how you'd feel like that you're being judged for that. And so maybe we need to do a better job of like. And I definitely need to do a better job of like understanding people are all on a path, a journey, and uh, we're all at different parts of it. Yeah, is it is it hard? And I don't think you're this kind of person, but is it hard not to feel some sense of elitism? Because, you know, as a vegetarian, I guess you're you're doing better stuff for the environment as I am. Uh, I don't personally really feel like that because it's just a personal choice. Like I understand that I honestly feel like the reasons that I'm doing it are really about how I feel about it. Mm. And when I, if I get asked about it, like, you know, you're asking me questions, I talk very passionately about it because I am passionate about it. But, and, and if people are excited about it, if people want to have some ideas or I want to know what I do, like I'll let them know. I definitely don't feel better than other people. <laughs> like, I feel like that. Uh, because, like, where do you... Like, a vegan is going to look at me and say that I'm a monster for eating cheese. Do you know what I mean? And so there's always... You can always shift the bar. Mm. And so... Or, you know, from an environmental point of view, I drive a car. Yeah. That ha- is a petrol car. I'm sure that's not doing good things. Do you know what I mean? So... yeah. yeah. I think it would be a silly position to come out and say I'm better than anyone. I think I could be shot down pretty quickly. Yeah. If if someone's listening to this podcast and they want to consider vegetarianism, rather than perhaps jumping all in, mm. do you have any thoughts on how you can make that adjustment happen in a more smooth way? Well, I think uh, it's hard for people sometimes because uh, they it's hard to come up with because like everything is meat based yeah so it's like people don't learn recipes that are vegetarian is uh, that are vegetarian or don't have meat in them and so um, maybe look up a few recipes if you want to cook something maybe try a few things if you're out for dinner that are vegetarian and I think the idea of like a day a week is a good stepping point. Um, even just the idea of like reducing the amount of meat. I saw this ad for a steak place, a billboard the other day. And the steak was like huge. And it had like, it was basically a garnish of a salad. It just had like two leaves next to it. And then like some chips. And I'm like, that proportioning is way off. And so even just like reducing the portion sizes of meat you're eating is all like uh, ways that you could dip your toe in the water a little bit. Um, 
and you know that's that maybe that's where you're going to stop if if you don't personally connect with those reasons those ethical or climate or whatever that's cool but yeah maybe that will start a path for you to start exploring some of those ideas and maybe you want to increase it I think we need to remarket vegetables, though. I think that would be, if we want to do it on a large scale, we need some good PR people. Well, as I said, go back to episode 20 of this podcast because Alice Zaslavsky did a marvellous job. That's what we did. We solved how to market veggies, and she does a great job of that. Always the side dish, never the main. Exactly, yeah. So, Zach Manda, as we finish... It's been a great episode yet again with you, but uh, I did need to ask you the question, what shall we do about vegetarianism? What shall we do about it? Uh, it, With the assumption we're trying to increase it? Or if I I became a world power, you know, the president of the world? Yeah, I think um, as a representative, as our representative of vegetarianism, and you, you want people to try vegetables more, but also dispel the myth that you guys are strange... Uh, I think, well, in in our culture, I think in other cultures it's different. I think uh, in different places around the world, they don't have the same problem. I think if we could move away from the huge piece of meat on the plate and the tiny vegetables, I think that would be a step in the right direction. I think we need some good marketing people behind vegetables, make them more attractive. Um, Brocktober could be something that we could do, uh, where we just consume broccoli for the whole of October. Uh, taking into following suit of dry July and Movember. Maybe that's something we should pursue. I'll get in contact with some PR people about that. That'd be awesome. Brocktober. I might try it this year. How far away is October? I might have enough time to get that up. Yeah, I just think generally if we uh, just ate more vegetables, basically. It's cheaper. It's tasty. It's good for you. It's good for the environment. There's a lot of boxes it's ticking. Eat your broccoli. It's nice. Here's my tip too. If broccoli, the the florets, like the flowery head, the canopy of the small tree, if you will, that like holds a lot of sauce. So if you make like a curry or something, you have like a curry paste, coat the broccoli in that first before you put, you know, your uh, milk or cream or coconut milk in. It's like a pocket of deliciousness. Mate, I love it. So thankful for you, as always. Our gardening expert and now our vegetarianism expert. Uh, who knows what it'll be next? Yeah, well, I don't call me, I, I, I feel okay talking about vegetarianism. I feel a bit guilty talking about gardening at the moment, if you saw the condition of my yard. But I still have a love for it. I just think maybe the expert is <laughs> maybe a title I'm uncomfortable with. <laughs> And I'm going to go look up right now Monty Don on the Gardening Australia app. <laughs> and I very much want to eat a Rebel Whopper right now. That's Zach Manda, who you can hear on the Collective Noun podcast. i put a link in the show notes. He's also on Instagram at Zach Manda. And if you did miss them the first time around, don't forget to catch up on Zach Fixing Gardening back in Episode 2 and Alice Zaslavsky Fixing Vegetables in Episode 20. Thank you so much for listening to this show. And if you enjoyed it, please leave a review as it helps others come across it too. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast where you heard it to get fresh episodes in your feed every Tuesday morning. You can also connect with the show on Instagram and Facebook at What Shall We Do Pod and on Twitter at What Shall We Pod. 
What Shall We Do About is hosted and produced by me, Sam Robinson, with production support from Ali Barnes and original theme music by Chad Gardner. See you next time.